Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. And my guest today is John Ross. Actually, John K. Ross. is, And I think there were some numbers after that, too, I believe. But um, anyways, and, and he is here to talk about a subject that we haven't talked about before, but but he and I both agree is just as big a part of your health and wellness as it is picking your doctor or learning about what you ought to eat or exercise. So welcome, John, and I'm very happy to have you here on the program. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I, I think uh, I think this is great. I think what I've got to talk about will tie in very well to yeah. to to what y'all do. And you know, just kind of as a little bit of quick background on me, uh, I'm a I'm an estate planning and tax attorney. Uh, that's okay. kind of my background. But about 20 years ago, we saw that there was a void in the knowledge base, particularly with the uh, the people that are approaching retirement and living in retirement, where mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's this kind of conflagration. I don't know if I even use that word correctly, um, where you get wills and trusts and guardianships and powers of attorney and laws related to that. And then those all compete with social security and Medicare and Medicaid and veteran benefit programs. And Mm. those all compete with real estate issues and tax law. And they all compete with, um, you know, uh, with all, all these things that all come together. And, and what we found was that people had, they had no knowledge but that they generally had three concerns. And those three concerns were that if at all possible, they didn't want to have to go to a nursing. That was, (laughs) that was a big one. Um, Number two, that if at all possible, they didn't want to be a burden on their family members, loved ones. And number three, they didn't want to go broke trying to accomplish the first two goals. And, and, Nobody seemed to have the answers to this. They didn't teach it in law school. There was there was really nothing out there. But we thought, well, you know what? We're going to make ourselves the experts at it, and that's what we did. We started our own firm, and uh, with a with a sole focus of of doing this. And uh, it was my partner Lisa Schulmeyer and I, two laptops and a card table. And uh, twenty years later, we're seven offices across two states. Oh my uh, god. And wow. we we did a live radio show for seven years on this <gasps> subject. Uh-huh. Um, so so yeah, obviously we were right. There was a huge demand for this knowledge out there. Oh, I I totally agree. I totally agree. It's um, yeah. Actually, it's kind of scary how oh, much it, people it, don't know. It well, it it is and. What I hate to see, you know, we have kind of almost, you can almost break our practice into two halves. You have the the folks that are planning well in advance, often because they have seen this problem with a loved one. They had a mother with Alzheimer's or, you know, a, a father with Parkinson's or something like that. And they've been down this yep. road. Yep. And so they're saying, okay, yep. how do I fix this for myself? The yep. other people, and this is the, they're the crisis planning. They had no idea how big the train was that was coming down the tracks um and and then once it smashed into them it's just been problem after problem and they're they're panicking they're freaking out they don't know what to do um and there are still a lot of things that can be done but you know like it like with anything else a, a little bit of prevention will will often go a whole lot 
better. There's never a situation where it's too late. I get that all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's probably Uh, too late for us to do anything. Well, no, that's never the case. But it doesn't mean the solution's easy. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it might it might have yeah. been a couple of years back, you know, but but now there's still solutions. It just may not be easy. Yeah. Well, and I I think that you probably realized as well that that or have, you know, have a um what's the right thing? That when you first talk to start talking to people who have not had any experience with any of this to say, okay, the first thing you need to do is, you know, just a will or just something simple, just so there's something written down. So when you walk out of here, you don't get hit by a car. <laughs> well, and and what's funny is I actually will often joke with people and I'll say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the, because because one of the most common conversation points when people come to the office is they want to talk about a will. Do I have a will or do I need to have a will? Can I write my own will? You know, the, all of these sort of questions, but it's always related uh-huh. about wills. And I'll often, uh, I'll often say, well, you know, you never see lawyers make a lot of promises. You know, if you, if you watch the ones that are standing on top of 18 wheelers on the TV commercials and promising they're going to get you millions of dollars in that lawsuit. But if you look at the bottom in, in little bitty fine print, it says, you know, we, we do not guarantee results, right? But, but I will make everybody a promise when it comes to the will. And that is, you will never care whether or not you have a will. And, and if you think about it, you'll figure it out pretty quick, right? You'll be dead before yeah. it ever matters to anybody. That's right. And, and yet people's brain has a tendency to jump from their current position to mm-hmm. death. And what they forget about is the incapacity in between. Yes. yes. You know, and yes. and so, for example, what I'll often then start out and I'll say, have you ever tried to call the phone company if your name is not the one on the account? If, <laughs> if, you, if your husband set up the account and you're trying to call or, Thank you know, you. and, and I, I'll point out. If I want to upgrade my cell phone, I have to drag my wife to Verizon because the the whole cell phone service is in her name. Oh wow. Okay. Right? Okay. And 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 most everybody has experienced that. You know, they've had that situation where they, you know, there's the the power's out at the house and they try to call the electric company and they say, Oh, well, I'm sorry, we can't talk to you because it's in Bob's name or or Jane's name, right? Right. Yeah. And and while that's inconvenient right now, imagine if your spouse has had a stroke and they're never going to speak again. And now something as trivial as talking to the phone company has become a huge problem. Yeah. And, and, and of course, if the phone company is that serious about it, how serious is Medicare? The IRS. Right. Yes. You know, the people yes. that manage, manage your pension. Right. Mm-hmm. If 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 one day there's a the direct deposit on that pension check doesn't show up. And you need to call and find out and you don't have the authority to find out why they didn't make the deposit that month. You know, this is a this is this could be a a life and death sort of situation. Right. If, especially if you're talking mm-hmm. about people on a fixed income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so so number one, probably the single most important thing for anybody would be a durable power of attorney. Right. Something to say, here's who I want to handle my business if I'm incapacitated. 
and typically with with alternates, right? Uh, you know, uh, maybe a, a, yeah. a spouse. You know, most people would, if they're married, they might appoint their spouse first. But you know, often being of similar age, if one of you goes down, the other one may not be in any better shape. So, or or you know, if you go traveling and the airplane goes down, you're probably both going to be on it. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, you're, especially in your retirement years, you're traveling together, you're riding around yeah. in the car at the same time. So so okay. yeah, having them one or more backups. The durable power of attorney should be drafted to cover just about everything except for medical decisions. So for that, you would have a medical power of attorney. Same concept, but this would be, you know, you're at the hospital, you're unconscious. The doctor says, if you don't get the surgery, you'll probably die. But if you do get the surgery, they'll, they'll probably also kill you on the operating table. So, you know, which one do you do? And and who decides? Because you're unconscious. You've got no say-so at this stage. Yeah. And so the medical power of attorney, there's a little privacy law out there that goes along with medical, and that's the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, better known as HIPAA, that says oh, yeah. nobody, nobody, not your spouse, not your kids, nobody can look at your protected medical information without your written authorization. Okay. So number three would be a HIPAA authorization. A HIPAA release. Here's all the people that I want to be able to call the hospital and find out how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so like, I, you know, my my kids, my kids are all legally adults at this stage. That doesn't necessarily make them super smart, responsible individuals. It's, it's just by virtue of the law that they're now an adult. Right. So so maybe I don't want them handling my business or I may not even want them making a medical decision for me right. just yet. But I might still put them on the HIPAA release. That way they can uh-huh. at least find out how I'm doing, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then number four, number four, and this is a document that's going to have different names depending on where you are in the country, but you'll hear it referred to as a living will, an advanced oh, yeah. directive, a directive yep. to physicians, all yep. different names for basically the same thing, which is you putting into writing whether or not you want to be maintained on life support. If all that life support or, is doing right. is prolonging the moment of your death. Is literally life support, nothing else. That's right? it, right? You're you're done. Just keeping it's you just, alive. Yeah, they're just yep. keeping you alive. Um, and and so I will tell people all the time, you personally will never care whether or not you, you have a will. But whether or not you have a durable power of attorney, a medical power of attorney, a HIPAA release, and a living will, that is directly related to your care, comfort, physical maintenance, end of life. That stuff matters to you. I could honestly care who gets your stuff when you're dead, right? Who cares? Um, but. Yeah. But that those four things, there's not a person walking around over the age of 18 in the United States that probably shouldn't have all four of those things in place right now. Mm. You, you just yeah. you just don't. Yeah, because you don't get to pick when you become incapacitated. No, no, absolutely. You know, and, and unfortunately, the alternative to the powers of attorney is the court guardianship program. And that's where. You've got to do something for somebody. You have no authority to do it. So you're going to a court, declaring them legally incompetent, having the court appoint you or potentially somebody else as their guardian who's now in control of everything. 
a terribly expensive process, terribly time-consuming. And and the court system is much like cockroaches in the sense that if you let them in your house, you cannot get them back out. Uh, and, you know, well, I'm so, sorry, but that just the, just the, the visual on that. Just... <laughs> but you know, it's it, it's it's it really is a reality. And, you know, I'm in a I'm in a relatively rural part of East Texas and Southwest Arkansas. And so, you know, our yeah. cost of living <laughs> here compared to, say, Northern California, right? Uh-huh. I mean, that's just night yeah. and day, right? Yeah. Night and day. But e- even in rural East Texas or Southwest Arkansas, you can expect to spend several thousand dollars doing a guardianship minimum Wow. compared to you could possibly even, I mean, in many states, they have form powers of attorney that are available online yeah. for free. Yes. You yes. know, you could go in and type in Idaho mm-hmm. durable power of attorney. And I don't know for sure, but I bet you can find what's called yeah. a statutory power of attorney. Statutory meaning mm-hmm. created by the legislator, built into the statute. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. fill in the blank. You fill in the blank, you would get it notarized or witnessed as required right. by state law, right? Super yeah, easy. Yeah. And and in many cases, you can avoid the necessity of ever having to do a guardianship if you've got those basic things. Mm, not okay. always, not always, but but in most cases, you can. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, having some of those basic things. And again, this is all, it's all directly related to your health. You know, you're, yeah. you're, if yes. you, if, if you can't access funds, you can't buy food. And if you can't buy food, you don't eat. And and if you can't make medical decisions, you're not getting the care you need. And and mm-hmm. if you're if mm-hmm. your life is being un uh, unreasonably prolonged for no good reason, and you're you know right. you're suffering on ventilators and things, that again, all of these things can be avoided with a little bit of. And that's very simple, super easy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's. The other thing that people don't understand as well is that what you may want may very well not be something that they would agree with. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and you know, that takes your rights away if That's you right. don't have that written out. Yeah, you know, unplug it. Take the plug out of the wall. <laughs> Well, and, and on the end of life decisions, I've I've talked to lots of people that have, you know, most everybody has said, oh, yeah, just pull the plug. You know, don't yeah. if there's no point in keeping me around, don't keep me around. But I've had a few uh, over the years where they'll they'll have, well, everything except hydration. I don't want to die from dehydration. They just, you know, maybe it was just some sort of fear that they had of that. I don't know. Huh. But it was you know, their they thing. Saw a movie or something. Yeah, yeah, who knows what it was, but that was <laughs> their thing. Um, uh-huh. And then, you know, one story I've I've told a, a, a lot of times. My grandfather was a uh, he was a retired American Airlines pilot, and he was actually one of the very first ones. He was the wow. first first American Airlines pilot to fly from uh, uh, what eventually would become DFW in Dallas to Baja, uh-huh. Mexico. Um, wow. And uh, uh, planes in the Smithsonian, the whole deal. And uh, wow. well, you know, this was back, you know, back in the old days, they had a good old fashioned American Airlines pension. You know, you retire oh, and they yeah. just pay pay oh, you until yeah. you That's die, right? I, I, 
I remember that. Yeah. And, and and of course, his pension was based on American Airlines stock from when the company started. Oh my God! Yeah, so you can well, imagine. Yeah, that you know, went this, up. Yeah, yeah, ninety-two-year-old man making a whole lot of money every month on that deal. And at one point, I asked him. I said, I said, Hey, Papa, if you if you're at the point where the only way you're going to keep on living is on the machines, the only way you know that's it. What do you want? That let's put it in writing. That way, everybody knows there won't be any question about it. And he said, look, John, when I die, and I mean the very second I take my last breath, that pension check stops coming. He said, if it makes sense, y'all just leave me plugged in, take the money and go have fun every month. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Good for him. You know, and again, he was, he was thinking about it, right? And, 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 uh-huh. and that's the thing, yeah. you know, people will say, well, yeah, pull the plug. But I mean, if you've been in a hospital room recently, there's a lot of plugs in there. Yeah. Which ones are you talking about? All of them? Any one of them? Are there certain ones? You know, and so, yeah, Yeah. you you think about these sort of things. Who do you trust to handle business? Who do you trust to make medical decisions? Who do you want to know about your health care? And how do you want to die right there at the end? Maybe there's Uh even something special. I had a lady one time and she wanted me to write in there that, that while she died, she wanted somebody to hold her hand and, if possible, read the children's book, The Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, wow. And I thought How that neat. was pretty sweet, you know? Yeah. So, so again, you can be creative. You can have a little fun with it if you want. And maybe imagine the memory that that might give a family member of hers. Yeah. Yes. Um, a sad time, and yet a cherished memory that they can hold on to for, for years to come. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. who knows, who knows, but yeah. So, so yeah, yeah wow. all of that related to not a will, right? I mean, none of that has anything to do with the will. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course, the other part of that uh, is along the same lines is, you know, when people start talking about, you know, wills or trusts or passing assets at death, they're assuming they're going to have anything. And and I'll tell you, here's the here's the little scenario that we see all the time. You have a health crisis. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a maybe it's a stroke, maybe it's a, a heart attack, maybe it's a fall, or maybe it's just something yeah. that's that's gotten progressive. Yeah, or yeah, it's gotten progressively worse, and now it's it's crossed some sort of line. And mm-hmm. often, what what you find is, let's just say it's a stroke, right? If you have a stroke, mm-hmm. you're going to go to the ER, then to the ICU. Then you'll go from the ICU to an admission room. You'll go from the admission room to inpatient rehabilitation. If you're still not better, you might go to what they call skilled nursing rehab. Um, That would be basically nursing home, but for rehab. Right. And all of that is generally going to be covered by Medicare, supplemental Mm -hmm. insurance, but once you get to that skilled nursing rehabilitation, if you are still not better after pretty much a maximum of about a hundred days, mm-hmm. the Medicare stops paying. They say, mm-hmm. well, that's just rent now. And so what, what's happened is your, your health crisis has now become a housing crisis. Where are mm-hmm. you going to live? If you want to go back home, which most people would, but you can't get yourself off the couch into the bathroom and back, then how are you going to do that? How are you going to accomplish that goal? Do you need Mm -hmm. assisted living? Do you need nursing Mm -hmm. home care? And what's the difference between all of these? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And and so your health crisis has become a housing crisis. And then the next thing you find out is how much this stuff costs. <laughs> yeah. You want some you want to go home and you're gonna need somebody to sit there with you at that house twenty-four hours oh, a day. And yeah. at even again, even in rural East Texas, you're talking twenty dollars an hour. Um, yeah. for you know, that's two hundred and forty dollars <clears throat> a the day. Basic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, just yeah. a sitter. That's yeah. just a, 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 you know, not a nurse, not any sort of trained professional. That's just somebody to sit there with you, waiting for you mm-hmm. to get off the couch and go to the bathroom and back, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, and to sub you know, for them when they go and take a couple of days when they take their weekend or whatever. I mean, it's a uh, whole, there's a lot more than just one person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because one person can't work yeah. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? And, you know, or yeah. maybe you need assisted living, which you know, $4,000, $5,000 a month. Oh, at least. At yeah, least. Yeah, at and again, least. I'm talking Probably out here more. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you, you're looking, yeah. You start going into a big market, a San Francisco, a Boston, a New York, a Chicago. Yeah. It's just outrageous. And then you've got the nursing home, which would be the kind of your higher level, highest level of care. And, uh, you know, again, based on market, probably the lowest price nationally is going to be somewhere in the $175 per day, you know, you're already at $4,000 a month there. You start looking at a place. I think the last time I looked at Boston, their average daily cost was $350 a day. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I bet San Francisco's not similar or not any different than that. New York's going to be very Mm -hmm. high like that, you know? Oh yeah. And so what, what has happened now? Your health crisis became a housing crisis, which became a financial crisis. Bam, 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 possibly in just a matter of a month or two. And what so many people have no idea how they're going to pay for that because they just never thought about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just never dawned on them that that's going to be their little experience. You know, they think about, oh, well, you know, my dad, he. He worked at the shop and he retired. And then, uh, you know, at 75, he had a heart attack and died while he was at the house. Uh, you know, and, and so he, they, was, they, he was lucky. He right. was lucky. You know, yeah. but here they are at, at 85 and, and they've got, you know, they've got uh, Alzheimer's or whatever the deal is. And, and it's a oh, whole God, other yeah. situation. And so on top of the powers of attorney, I would also encourage anybody to know, have a good idea of how you're going to pay for that care. Because generally speaking, there are only three options. You can be one of the very small percentage of people that have long-term care insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the mm-hmm. kind of insurance that pays for that sort of thing. But last mm-hmm. numbers I looked at, about 5% of the population has long-term care insurance. So <laughs> that's a pretty tiny figure in comparison. Um, the second option would be to pay cash. Uh-huh. Yeah, that'll wipe you out fast. Right. And so, yeah, if you're if you're one of the folks that's been blessed with a lot of resources and you have the ability to to write right. $10,000 a month checks indefinitely, hey, more, more power to you. Exactly. Yeah. Now, one thing I will mention <clears throat> is that if if you were going to pay cash, one option mm-hmm. might be to get more cash. Uh huh. And I'll use my wife's grandmother. She just passed away about three weeks ago, age of 92. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but she's lived the last 
I'll say five or 10 years in assisted living. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when her husband died, she really couldn't keep up the house. So she had sold the house and moved into an apartment because she felt mm-hmm. like that's all she could afford. Of course, the apartment is tiny. It, it It's not built for a woman in her mid 80s. She's fall she's falling in the shower. She's fall she fell in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking to her and I say, Well, look, what about this this assisted living place that right up the street? And she said, Well, actually, I've looked at that and I have friends there and it's really nice and I would love to go there, but I get twenty two hundred dollars a month. That's that's it. I get that's my social security, a little bit of pension from my deceased husband that place is $3,500 a month. You know, I can't mm-hmm. pay $3,500 a month on a $2,200 a month salary, you know? Yeah. And I said, but, but wait a second. Now wasn't Papa Gene, he was a World War II veteran, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, if a veteran was on active duty for at least 90 days, and one of those 90 days was during a period of war. So World War II, Korea, Vietnam, uh, Okay. Desert storm to present. Mm-hmm. That's a wartime veteran. If a wartime veteran needs somebody else's help with their daily living, feeding them, bathing them, dressing mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and the cost of that care exceeds their ability to pay, the VA will kick in some extra money. Mm. And it's available to the surviving spouse of a wartime veteran. Oh, okay. okay. And so okay. I'm explaining to Millie, hey, look, let's apply to the VA. We do. Yeah. We get $1,300 a month out of the VA. Well, that brings wow. her $2,200 up to $3,500. And now she can afford the assisted living. And I bet we got an extra five plus years with Millie that we wouldn't mm-hmm. have gotten had she mm-hmm. been in that Only, dank little yeah. apartment. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so again, and you know, we have a we have a large veteran communities out there. Um, you mm-hmm. know, even with our, you know, now our all of our baby boomers are are up up in years, and you know, that's the at the very top of that are your Korea era, and then all the Vietnam. In the Vietnam, yeah. Um. So so, just a that's one of those things that a lot of people would never even know about. They they think, oh well, I did my time in the military, I got out, that's it. Nothing yeah, for me. Yeah. I didn't get shot. I didn't get blown up. You know, I just did my four years as a mechanic and never even left Austin, Texas. You know, I just, that was it. But, but it's there. You didn't have to go to war. You just had to be on active duty during a war period. So. Wow. Okay. And then the, 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 the big one out there is Medicaid or mm. what, you know, you would call Medi-Cal, um, right. you know, but it's still, it's, it's, regardless of the name, it's a federal program that is administered by the states. So the states change the terms uh, a little bit, but the big overall rules for Medicaid are created by the federal government. And so the big rules are going to huh. be the same, whether it's California or Texas or New York oh, or Massachusetts. Okay. Uh-huh. The devil can be in the details. So, so for example, you can have a home in any state in the United States, you can have a home and qualify for Medicaid up to a certain equity limit. Mm-hmm. In Texas, which uses the minimum equity limit, 
That's Why does six, that not surprise me? Yeah. <laughs> that's it's Sorry. 600. It's, I'm being I'm being nasty. <laughs> oh no. But it's but even that the minimum equity limit is $635,000. Oh wow. Okay. You If you owned I'm in Texarkana, Texas as we're doing this right now. If you owned a $635,000 house in Texarkana, you would probably have one of the biggest five houses in town. Mhm. Now, if I had a a a six hundred and thirty five thousand dollar house in Silicon Valley, well, it's a one room shack, right? No, no, it might it might actually be a two room shack. Okay, it it's a two room. Be, it's a two yeah, room shack. Yeah, yeah. But but that's why you'll see in With places like yeah. But in California and in New York, they have increased yeah. that equity limit, and I think it's well over a million dollars. Yeah. So, you know, most people would think, oh, well, I have a million dollar house. I, there, I can't qualify for Medicaid. But yeah, if if you're in San Francisco, if you're in New York City, you do. You can have that house and still qualify for Medicaid. Um, uh, vehicle doesn't count. Uh, certain farming and ranching operations don't count. Um, and then also depending on state interests, like, for example, Texas does not count IRAs. Mm. So. You know, imagine a person that lives in Texas and they've got a a $500,000 house and $750,000 in an IRA and they drive a Ferrari. Well, that person qualifies for Medicaid because those three assets don't count. Okay. Okay. But but now let's imagine somebody else in Texarkana, Texas, that has a $50,000 house. They drive a 1985 Mercury Grand Marquis that's worth about... $25. $25. And they own a little rent house down the street. And the renters in that rent house pay 300 bucks a month occasionally. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh-oh. So here's, uh-huh. here, this is, this is a poor person, right? I mean, yeah. they're poor. They don't qualify for Medicaid because the rent house is a countable asset. Oh no. So the guy in the mansion with the million dollar IRA and the Ferrari qualifies for Medicaid, but the person this this person that's broke over here and and barely sustaining themselves on a couple of $300 a month rent checks doesn't qualify for Medicaid. And you can imagine how dangerous that is because I bet if you grabbed that poor person off the street and you said, "Hey, what happens if you ever have a stroke?" And have to go to the nursing home. They would say, "Well, it's not going to matter. I'm, I'm support. You know, I don't have anything to worry about." Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, they actually—they're the one that has the problem. They just don't know it. Well, the the guy over here with the money, he's thinking, "Oh, well, I'll just—if I ever need nursing home care, I'm just going to have to private pay for it because I have money." Right. And so you got two people, neither one of them are right. They're both wrong. But one of them is in a really dangerous spot because mm-hmm. what happens if that person has that stroke? They go to that nursing home, they run to the end of that 100 days on their Medicare, and now the nursing mm-hmm. home says, okay, we need $200 or we're kicking you out. Bye. Yeah. yeah. And, and you say, well, I'll apply for Medicaid. Well, you can't. You have this rent house. Well, okay, well, I'll sell it. Well, who's going to buy a trashy rent house for where renters pay $300 every once in a while? Maybe you get it sold. 
And even if you did, it could take four or five months. Well, at that rate, you're racking up a bill at the nursing home at $6,000 a month. Whatever you do sell it for is just going to end up going straight to the nursing home. Mm-hmm. So so that's why I say I, I would really encourage people to know how you're going to pay for this. Because mm-hmm. it's it's either mm-hmm. insurance, cash, <clears throat> or Medicaid. Right. That's it. Those are your yeah. three options. And And you need to know which one you are. Because if if I had talked to that lady with that rent house, and maybe I talked to her at 65 when she's healthy, I would have said, hey, you know what? Look, you have a problem here. This rent house is going to be an issue. Maybe we should consider putting that rent house in a trust so that the value mm-hmm. of it will not count towards your eligibility <clears throat> for Medicaid, and yet you can still benefit from the income that the rental property uh-huh. generates. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and we could have solved that problem well in advance. Uh-huh. And then she has a nurse. She, she has that event. She goes to the nursing home. She qualifies for Medicaid. The rent house is preserved. And, and maybe that money is, is now there to supplement her quality of life. Mm-hmm. And maybe she has a little something to leave behind to her family. And, and maybe that gives mm-hmm. her some pleasure, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, but you've got to know in advance, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, that just comes back around to one of our original points, which was that you don't run out and start doing all this right with a will and a, or a, or a a trust or whatever, right. After you're already sick. You do that when you're up walking around, you can think, you can talk to the people who are important to you, and you can get it all set up beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, you know, and it's one of those things where what's the the, the old saying of what's the what's the best time to plant a tree? This 20 years ago. Yep. Yep. But what what's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. No. Right now. Yes. Right now. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Before something yeah. else happens, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, there's, uh, I really do. I encourage people, I, you know, look into this. I will say that one of the problems, because this is a relatively new field, uh, we, we mm. refer to it as elder <laughs> law. Um, okay. And there's okay. even, a, there's a national Academy of, of elder law attorneys Um, But if you look at, for example, if you look at the state of Texas, there are 120,000 licensed attorneys in the state of Texas. Okay. There are 200 members of the National Elder Law, National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys in the state of Texas. Really? That's not much. Little bitty tiny. Yeah. And, And you'll find that everywhere. You'll find that in California. You'll find that in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. This is not a, it's not a big field. It's, it's very complicated. It's very hard to learn. You have to have a passion for it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it <clears throat> and so and they don't teach it in law schools, or at least historically they haven't. Mm-hmm. So there haven't been a lot of resources available for young attorneys to get into the market. Okay. Um, so it's, it is very difficult for people to, to get any sort of guidance on this. 
um, you know, they, they'll end up doing one of a couple of things. You know, one, they, they get on the Internet and try to Google it. Um, yeah. You know, that's kind of like me. I, you know, one I woke up one morning and I had this just aching pain in this in my side, you know, just I mean, mm-hmm. just buckled over. And so what did I do? I did like just everybody else. Right. I immediately grabbed my phone and Google, you know, left abdomen pain. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm scrolling and scrolling. And I finally found this. Uh, I found this article and it's for nurses and it's on how to palpitate the abdomen. Okay. And and it said that if you push and it hurts, that's one thing. If you push and let go real fast and uh-huh. that hurts, it's an appendicide. And so I push no pain. I push and let go real fast and I buckle over in pain. So I I grab my keys. I jump in the car. I drive straight to the ER, kick in the front door. And and I mean, I'm pulling my shirt up saying, cut it out. I got an appendicitis, cut it out. I didn't have an appendicitis. It's probably gas or something. I I don't know what I'm not is a nurse. Right. I've got no, no I've got no medical knowledge whatsoever. I've got no business trying to figure that out on my own. Luckily, I was able to go to the hospital and have some real professionals tell me, dude, you're fine. Quit overreacting and don't believe everything you read on the Internet. Um, Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I certainly do tell, you know, I mean, check stuff out, read everything you can read. That's all fine and dandy in the end. Nothing is a substitute for somebody who who lives and breathes this kind of stuff day in, day mm. out. Mm. And and one thing I will say that doctors have done better than lawyers, you know, if if you went to your family practice doc and you know, he saw some mark on your skin that he was concerned about, he doesn't treat it, he probably didn't even diagnose it. He sent it over to a pathologist, another doctor, mm-hmm. to, to do some tests on it. And then mm-hmm. when that doctor does some tests on it and finds out it's cancerous, they sent you over to an oncologist. And the mm-hmm. oncologist then comes up with a regime on how to treat the cancer. And, mm-hmm. and maybe there's going to be some surgery. And so they're going to send you over to an anesthesiologist to knock you out. And then mm-hmm. there's a surgeon that's going to cut it, Right. You've got all these specialties where each doctor knows everything about their field in and out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And they but, all get to charge for it. Yeah, And they all get to charge a, a fortune for it. That's right. But, you know, the, the oncologist doesn't try to to treat your your he doesn't solve your brain surgery need. Right. And no. and the anesthesiologist right. doesn't doesn't do a heart bypass. He might knock you out first, but somebody else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. In the legal field, we have not historically done a very good job of differentiating ourselves based on specialty. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the other problem I have seen is, you know, people do have these questions. What do I do when I get older? And in many cases, they've had no contact with a lawyer ever. And if they have, it's with the the lawyer that did their divorce in 1989. Mm -hmm. Or got their kid out of a DWI three years ago. Yeah. Right? And that's who they call. 
And it really is like calling your dentist to ask them about your heart palpitations. You, that's not the person, mm-hmm. you know, so, so I would, I really would, I, you know, and you could go to the, the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys website and you can look them up and, and right there, it says, find a lawyer and you can search by zip code and find somebody that mm-hmm. specializes in this type of work, you know, so there, there are some resources and, and, you know, you ask these sort of questions, you know, see where you're at, you know, ask what happens if I become disabled? How am I going to pay for my care? What are my goals mm-hmm. as far as leaving my assets behind? Um, uh-huh. You know, what are the tax issues that I need to think about? What are the the cost administration of doing all of that? And then you get the other issues, which is the people you leave behind. Because one of the big things that I, I see with the with the kids or, or whoever you're leaving your stuff to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is people have a tendency to plan for what things are today. Uh, Oh yeah. Right. And so, you know, I've got, I've got Ward and June Cleaver in the office and, and they want to leave everything to Wally and the Beave and Wally and the Beave are just fine. They're great kids. Oh, they get into a, a little tussle here and there you know, oh, mostly yeah. just because that Eddie Haskell <laughs> kid is is getting them to do something. Absolutely. That's right? right. But for the most part, they're good kids. So we're going to leave everything to our two good kids. But but that's what it is today and not what it might be at the time of your death. Because at the you know, and a lot of people don't remember this, but um, I think it was it was early 90s, maybe either late 80s or early 90s. They did a reboot of Leave it to Beaver. I think I it, it was remember. it was like one season. OK, with the same people playing the grown it up. Was, well, it was it was yeah. a grown up beaver. I kind of I kind of. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a grown up beaver, except uh-huh. that now Beaver is divorced, remarried, has three stepkids. Right. This was not yeah. the leave it to beaver of old. You know, it it was uh-huh. the reality beaver. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's what these are the things you've got to think <clears throat> about. You know, um, your child or, or beneficiary, they could predecease you. So yeah. you need to plan for the death of a beneficiary. Where do you want that share to go? Does it does it go to their kids? Does it go to their spouse? Does who? What? You decide though. You 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 figure that out. Um, what happens if they're in a bad marriage? You know, you don't want that inherited asset to get tied up in their divorce, or um, you know, what if what if the child has become disabled? You know, we think about things like nursing homes and stuff as being the older generation's problem. Well, we're all one car wreck away from it. And you know, if your child mm-hmm. is the one who's disabled, they're often going to be on Medicaid, SSI. You know, that may that may be their yeah. health insurance, their housing, yeah. their food programs, the receipt of the inheritance, mm-hmm. bam, they're disqualified. You know, mm-hmm. so you could actually do yeah. more damage by leaving an inheritance yes. to a disabled person. Um, uh-huh. Creditors, I've had kids that were, um, you know, they're they're behind uh, on student loans. So they have a judgment against them. They're behind on mm-hmm. taxes. Uh, you know, Maybe they had been sued and they have a judgment against them, whatever the deal is. You know, and most people, if I'm talking to them, they don't want their the assets that they're leaving behind going to their kids' creditors, going to their kids' right. former spouse. Um, you know, well, right? 
right? All of these sort of things. So, and, and the cool thing is, is you can, you can plan against all of these sort of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's obviously going to be very personal to every person and, and, and how you do it and what trade-offs there are and all of this sort of thing. But you want to be asking these questions, you know, don't just say, oh, I'm leaving everything to Wally and the Bee because they're two great kids. Sure. Maybe they are today. Maybe they're not tomorrow. And and what happens if they're mm -hmm. deceased or in a bad marriage? Or, and, and ask those questions and let that professional guide you and say, yeah, there are some right. things we can put in. We can fix mm -hmm. that. And if yeah. you're talking to somebody and they say, nah, you can't fix that. Well, then you're talking to the wrong person and go find you somebody else that does know the answers to those questions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And it can be the opposite, too. I mean, somebody, what your kid is like now may be totally different in 10 years. They may get their shit together. Absolutely. Right. right? And yeah. and so there's there, there's, the, you know, the other piece of it is assuming you haven't died or gotten you know or run through all the money that you had or whatever um you know it's one of those things you need to revisit because things change how much money you have changed how much um you know i mean it's all i just know you know with my husband and i that, that's that's you know he has his kids i don't have any kids i mean it just you know, there's things. Yeah, sure. Well, and, and I, I tell people all the time, I say, you, you know, you go to the doctor, annual checkup, right? You, you, you They run the test, they take some blood, right. you know, maybe it's that one yep. every five years where they make you run on the treadmill or something, right? But, it, <laughs> you, you know, they go and do all of that. And at the end, they say, oh, you're healthy. Not a thing wrong with you. Body right. of an 18 year old, Right. Well, that uh -huh. doesn't mean you're the same position a year from now or two okay. years from now. And 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 much like your health, at 40, you can probably get away with not doing that annual physical and maybe hit it when you're 45 or or, or push it to your 50, right? And, and you hit 50, maybe you can still get away with it from 55 or 60. But, you know, the difference between 40 and 50 is a lot different than 70 and 80. So, you know, maybe between that 70 and 80, maybe we do need to start making it an annual visit or, a, a, a you know, yeah. every other year or something. And yeah. I'll tell, you know, I'll tell my clients all the time. I'll say, look, you don't even have to necessarily come in and see me. Shoot yeah. me an email. Just shoot me yeah. an email that just says, hey, anything I need to think about. And I can yeah. look back at your file. I can ask you a couple of quick little questions. Hey, anything big changed? You still like your kids? Right. You know, um, uh -huh. yeah, and, yeah. You know, or I could say, yeah. oh well. By, by the way, look, there was this. Uh, you know, um, this you know, change I know in the law. Yeah, there was this change knows, in the law, right? and and I noticed that you have this asset, and now this asset has this tax issue that's going to go along with it because of some law change. Uh, we need to okay. address that. Right. You know. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, you you know, you can catch those sort of. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure, for sure. And it's, um, yeah, it's one of those things where it, you know, even if it's just a, a, a yes or no thing that you send out to people, has this changed? Has that changed? Has this changed? Right. And that's all it takes. And if everything yeah. comes back saying, no, 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 nothing's changed. Great. 
you know, yeah, I'll send you it go. to you again in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's exactly right. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be cumbersome. It doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it doesn't have to be scary. And I will say the other thing, you know, you know, talking about health, um, you know, they talk about one of the one of the biggest things to maintaining health, particularly, you know, extending longevity and things like that is stress management. Mm-hmm. As somebody who has sat there with with literally thousands of people who have completed their estate planning. Mm-hmm. I can see it on their face. I can watch the stress fall. Mm. It's something they've been thinking about. They've had these questions. They've worried about it. Yeah. You know, they, they, they've had these, Oh, well, what happens uh, if we, you know, well, you know, little Timmy's got X, Y, Z problems or, you know, yeah. geez, you know, my mom had Alzheimer's. What if I get Alzheimer's? She, she right. spent every penny she ever had and ended up in a nursing home. And I don't want to do that. And, and right. n- now that I've solved those problems for them, you can, you see that that piece of stress has left their body. It has mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. vanished. And that's got to, that's got to contribute to some, to some health out there in some way, shape or form. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, and the other thing is it keeps a lot of families together because they're not all fighting over stuff. Absolutely. Um, You know, you know, there are some families that are going to fight no matter what, um, you know, and there's nothing. I'm I'm in one of those. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's got, you know, everybody's got them either directly or just adjacent, um, you know, but uh, but you can also inadvertently create fights by yes, pitting people against each other or, or mm-hmm. not setting things up clearly. Um, and, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to be the mm-hmm. cause of their, of, right. of their problems. I, uh, I had a, a pretty nasty probate. It was, it, I represented the children from a first mm-hmm. marriage. Another attorney oh. represented the surviving spouse. Another attorney represented the business partner that was in business oh. with the deceased. Mm-hmm. All of the man's plans, as far as we could all tell, everything backfired. I mean, everything oh, went no. wrong and the assets oh, that no. he thought were going to one person were going to somebody else. And, oh, and no. it just was a terrible. And then of course, everybody's suspicions against each other. Everybody thought everybody else was out to get them. Right, um, right. It was just a, it was a really bad situation. It took over a year to resolve the whole thing with the family. Wow. And, and, and when I say resolve, I don't mean happily, you know, no, it no, was no, one, no. Just, yeah. it was just, just, yeah. it was just yeah. over. Final. Right, they couldn't move was, on. You know, yeah. and and that was probably, that had to have been close to 15 years ago. I ran into that client at a at Target or someplace mm-hmm. maybe a year ago. Uh-huh. And the first thing out of his mouth was talking about that case, right? So <sighs> oh, the- Oh, God, yeah. The, yeah. the legacy his father left behind, that was it. It was it was a year of pain and suffering and yeah. animosity and expense and awfulness. You know, none yep. of the good stuff. Yep. 
you know, going going to the baseball game, that's gone. That those memories are gone, and they're replaced with this catastrophe um, of, yep. of bad planning. Yep. And you know, uh, you know, again, you it's won't care what about money that. But, will do. but if 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 that is a concern for people out there, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I really can't imagine that anybody would want that to be their their the memory that their loved ones their retain. legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing what money will do to people. Oh, and it and the crazy thing is, it doesn't even have to be a lot. You know, when you no. when you've watched two brothers beat each other up over the deer meat in their daddy's freezer, um, you you know, at that point that value is irrelevant. Well, and on that note, <laughs> I think we should probably wrap up. So what a what a great what a great spot to end it on. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, that that's perfect. That's perfect. So um yes, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it's, love- it's been it did just it just confirmed everything that I that I already knew about all these things, having been through some of my own my own experiences with it. But um yeah, it's um it's something that that all of you out there who are listening or watching do something about it. That's you right. know, get it's it not, doesn't have to be expensive just to get something in place and find out, you know, just get an hour of somebody's time to let you That's know right. where you are. Um, and with that being said, I will say that uh, that neither of us are doctors, <laughs> obviously. And none of this is to be seen as medical advice, which is also true. It's health. It's for your health. So please do take advantage of anything you can around this. And with that, I would like to thank my guests. And I will say what I always say, which is I will see everybody next week.